This week on Dig Me Out. By the time I made it through this whole record, I had to take a break. I couldn't go through it again. I just like step back and get a cleanser for my ears. Tim and Jay Review. Shot Fourth Self-Living by Medicine. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 198, season four. Feeling great. We are continuing our look at bands and artists who are releasing material as we speak into the, uh, into the ether, new albums being put out there for people to check out. We've done so in the last couple weeks. Melvin's, Mike Doherty, Ryan Adams, Thurston Moore, Johnny Marr, just to name a few. We got another one this week, Jay. This one's a band. Mm. This is a band that's stuck together. Uh, they've had some hiatuses. Hi- hiatus I? Hi- they've been on hiatus a few times. Hiatus? Hiatus. 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 Medicine is the band that I am speaking of. They have a new album out. It's called Home Everywhere, released um, as of the release of this podcast. It's their uh, one, two, three, four, five, sixth album, Jay. Now, that's hmm. not a lot over, well, they put the first album in 92, which is what we're reviewing, their 1992 album, Shot Forth Self-Living. Um, so it's been... You know 22 years six albums that's a it's a lazy pace for records they took some they went on hiatus took some time in between a couple records and uh mm-hmm. they're now back so jay were you familiar with the band medicine no um i get the name is familiar but i get it mixed with the band morphine i thought we were going to be reviewing the band with the the oboe player or whatever that band has that's a that's a saxophone player jay saxophone and um so that was uh, what i was expecting to hear when i when i started this record well then that would must have been a shock uh it was and i believe that morphine is a type of medicine so you weren't right far off right. Yeah. and they both start with the m that's true they both share the letter m as their first letter followed by a vowel correct as uh most words that start with m do right but you can see how i can be confused i understand it's a confusing world, and you just got caught up in it. Mm. I was uh, familiar with the album covers. That's about it. Like, I saw the mm. album covers, and I was like, oh, that looks like something we would have had in the stacks at the radio station. And that's mm. about it. Don't remember the band, what they sounded like, or anything like that. So let's talk about some history of medicine. History of the band. Medicine was formed by ex-Savage Republic drummer Brad Lehner. Uh, Savage Republic should not be confused with Savage Garden. Two different bands. Not the same band. He was working uh, on four-track recordings in 1990, and after playing the tapes for some music industry representatives, he was told that if he formed a band that sounded like the tapes, he could get a record deal. So Brad went out and formed a band with the number of musicians from the Los Angeles music scene. Now, the band members have changed throughout the years from 1992 to 2014. For this particular album, which is their first, it's Brad Lehner on vocals, guitar, percussion, piano, and then he also produced the record. 
On second guitar is Jim Putnam. The additional vocals are by Beth Thompson. On bass guitar, we have Eddie Rausha, who also did some uh, tape manipulation on the record. And then on the drums is Jim Goodall, or Goodall. So they ended up signing to Creation Records, which is the famous uh, British UK record label that also was the home of Oasis in the early 90s. They were the first American band to sign to Creation Records. And in the US, they signed to American Recordings, which was the uh, label owned by Rick Rubin. So they released their uh, self. Uh, the, their debut album, Shot Forth Self-Living, in 1992. They followed that up a year later with The Buried Life. Two years after that, in 1995, they, they released the album Her Highness. And then there was an eight-year break between the uh, third and fourth records. And The Mechanical Forces of Love was released on Astral Works in 2003. Ten years later, they released... To the Happy Few on Captured Tracks. And then this year, as I mentioned, Home Everywhere released today as of the release of this podcast. And there you have it, the brief history of the band Medicine. And if you have an album that you would like us to uh, review, please head on over to our Request a Review page. And uh, you can select an album. We only have, Jay, a couple more episodes left to uh, for people to suggest. So, you know, we're, we're very quickly uh, approaching the end of the uh, fourth season. So I hope people realize that time is ticking. So, get on it, people. Get on it. Uh, get Don't down let on us it. pick these records. No, you see what happens when we pick the records. It's just, it's a disaster. So, uh... Everyone out there should be making these picks. Uh, Facebook feedback. It's always good to get when we're talking about these records. Uh, What sort of Facebook feedback did we get for medicine? I will tell you in a moment because I'm looking for it on our Facebook page. (laughs) I can't find it. I I was delinquent for some reason in uh, this information. There we go. We got none. Never mind. I went. I panicked because I forgot to look that up before the show, and then I realized, oh, we didn't get any Facebook feedback. So, uh, oh, bully, well on, done. bully on us. Jay, let's just skip to the uh, the damn record. Let's, let's not let's not screw around with this. Yes. Shot forth, self living, medicine. You and I not familiar with this band, so we're going to talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. This is a numerically. Or, or I don't know how you say it. It's only it, it's a nine song record. However, there are quite a few tracks that are more than a minute or two. They're like eight or nine minutes. So it's not a short record in the minute sense. I guess I'll start, Jay. I think I probably had you start. Probably slacker. I usually throw it to you, so I'm going to start with uh, what worked and what didn't work for me. And I'll have to preface this by saying I kind of go through some moods in terms of what i'm listening to um you know for for a couple months i might be really into a lot of like metal or i might be really into um a new album that i just got and want to go back and revisit the entire catalog of a band that that happened when the last Manic street preachers album came out i I 
probably listened to Max Street Preachers for like two months straight, and that was about it. Because I was just it, when the new album came out, it just reignited my love of that band. And and recently, uh, an album came out by the Lees of Memory, which is a band by John Davis and some of the guys from Superdrag. And it's very much in a 90s shoegaze vein. And I started diving into some other shoegaze bands from the early 90s, Swerve Driver, Ride, Lush. I also was just reading a book about the record label 4AD, which was the home of Lush, um, Cocteau Twins, His Name is Alive, some other bands that might accidentally get thrown in with the shoegaze uh, crowd, but aren't really shoegaze bands. Um, but I, I just started listening to getting into those bands again. Um, some of the stuff I hadn't listened to in a while. Um, even some of the earlier Smashing Pumpkin stuff, Verve, those sorts of things. So this album hit me at like the exact right time because I've read them or I've read descriptions that they are the American My Bloody Valentine. And I think that that's an incredibly apropos description because they have the same sort of wall of noise with these hidden, beautiful melodies going through them. So in terms of what I liked, um, the overall presentation of this band in terms of what their sound is, is sort of perfect for me right now. Um, I really enjoyed their manipulation of distortion and these odd, I think I think there's some weird tape loop things that are going on in parts of songs where, that are um, being fed back uh, with distortion. Um, I'm thinking of like uh, track three, uh, Defective, has this uh, really cool guitar lead that sounds like it's being heavily manipulated at the beginning of that song. Um, and it almost could be like a pop track if you dialed down all of the distortion on that lead. But the way that they present it, it's you know, a much dirtier and distorted and manipulated sound that sort of takes it out of that realm. So that's what works for me. Uh, it's just the overall sound of the band. Um, and, mm. you know, six months ago, I might have been a little turned off by this, but I'm just in the right space for it right now. Uh, and that's, that can happen a lot with music. You're just in the right space or time for certain to hear certain things. And I just happen to be into all this right now. So tell me, Jay, what was something that worked for you? I think in theory, I'm on the same page as you. Uh, I, I don't, I like the concept of the band. I like the you know the sort of the melodies being a little bit hidden behind this noise layer but they're there um i also like that the instruments start to transform into new new sounds um so guitars start to sound like bells chiming and you know the they take on almost a string you know uh, a sound 
Um, the bass at times gets this really like dirgy, kind of grindy tone. Um, that's even a little bit different than your typical fuzzed out bass. So I, I dig that. I, 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 I like the approach in terms of vocal, but that's also where I think in theory I like it better than the execution. So mm-hmm. I found it um, between the, the tone of the guitar, that usually the noise guitar, it's very, I found it to be piercing. Like it's not like a a mid-range kind of drone. It gets really high-pitched at times mm-hmm. um, and painful, <laughs> frankly. Uh, that combined with how the vocal is uh, produced. So they typically sing very hushed and then they mic, you know, mic them real close and try to make it um, sit on top. But I found it very difficult to understand nearly anything they were saying. And then I also found it to be really competing with that piercing guitar noise. So while I wanted to kind of be pulled in by the vocal a little bit more and I don't in theory don't mind the noise being there I just wish that it was a little less present um, and and the vocal could be a little bit more present Uh, I did find halfway through the record there was a a span where like the mix got different and the presentation changed a little bit it potentially was so um, I'm thinking of track four and five Mm mm-hmm um, and then even again at the end, track nine, Christmas song, um, they've, they, I don't know if it's the, the, the significant change is just that they, um, feature live drums, um, or at least seem to feature live drums and the space opens up a little bit, um, as opposed to some of the other songs where they're using what sounds like a drum machine of some kind or a loop of some kind. And it's very um, mechanical and, um, Everything's very present. I felt like on those uh, uh, short happy life and, and five, I felt like the, the more band presentation, the live drum presentation gave the songs a little bit more dynamic. Um, they could get quieter and also get louder. And I felt like the vocal was able to um, stand out a little bit more. And they also just, like, from a songwriting standpoint, um, made a little bit more sense in terms of, you know, there wasn't a long intro. You know, some of these songs have, like, one-minute or two-minute-long intros of noise before the song starts. Um, I felt like those songs were a little bit more concise and just, I don't know. Even though they're they're still, like, a short happy life is still over six minutes long, I just felt like there was something about the way it was presented there that I could um, absorb it a little bit better and appreciate it better.
there's definitely a you know there's some interesting pop sensibilities mixed in here you know at times i heard like teenage fan club on a song like um detective um and i liked they even did some little harmony sort of things where the male and female vocal would be together which was interesting i just mm-hmm. i found the mix i just found the mix so painful sometimes especially on headphones it was just really a really difficult listen um and i could only take it in short bursts i i, I really by the time I made it through this whole record, I had to take a break. I couldn't go through it again. I just like step back and like uh, get a cleanser for my ears. Either silence or something. <laughs> yeah, silence or something with more bass um, and a little less that high end frequency um, and then come back to it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the good and bad for me. I agree with you on a, on a lot of the points. I mean, it's it's not a record that everybody's going to love because of those piercing frequencies and the hushed vocals. I think the thing that really sets them apart from a lot of shoegaze bands is that although the vocals are hushed, they actually sound sort of clear to me. Whereas if you listen to a lot of that early 90s, mm-hmm. and this is 92, you listen to a lot of that stuff, it's so drenched in reverb that you can't even yeah. make out consonants and vowels. And that's what, I like that you can actually hear some of what's going on with the vocal. That's what was weird to me is you're right. It's not treated. It's not pushed back. It's very upfront in the mix and it's very dry. Um, I still found it difficult to understand it though. It was weird. It's something about like, I think the frequency that that voice ends up being and then the frequency of that guitar and the volume of the two made it a difficult, but just a little too challenging to pick up on that vocal. But you're right. It's a different approach than what you would, you know, normally expect in shoegaze. Also, I think all the the mechanical aspects of the band, the looping and the just the they create rhythms and things out of sounds, and just that aspect of it is a little bit of a different twist on the shoegaze thing. It's not just uh, guitar effects. Um, there's an extra layer of manipulation going on in the drum machine aspect. I, I well. did like. I liked it a lot more when she was singing, uh, Beth Thompson. Yeah. Um, you know, she has just that perfect range or vocal that has the ability to lift itself above the music a little bit, whereas his vocal sort of just sits in, in right in the middle of it. Um, and when they're singing together, it's fine. They provide a nice harmony to each other. But like on a song like Miss Drugstore, I mean, you can almost take that out of the shoe gauge gauge shoegaze range and put that into any sort of like 90s alternative rock sound and it would have you know if you'd stuck that on like a throwing muses or a belly or any sort of record and made it that there was their experimental song i think it would have fit like i i think that her vocal is so sort of typical not typical because it makes it sound generic but it fits in well with a lot of more straightforward rock from the 90s, although the music around her is, you know, obviously so chaotic at times and, and um, challenging. How did you feel about Sweet Explosion? S- song six. Is that the one that she has, like, the tremolo on her vocal? Yeah, like, the melody is, like... It kind of reminded me, it kind of has a Tori Amos feel to her vocal um, at times. Like, she gets a little, it's a little funkier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
The debt, it really seemed odd on this record. It didn't. I mean, other than the general presentation was similar to the other songs, it just as a from a songwriting standpoint, I found it sort of out of left field. I just wanted to see if I was. It it almost sounds like a, a song that was on the record that got remixed by somebody else, because yeah. it's you know it's up tempo. It has a big beat to it in terms of like a mm-hmm. up tempo beat. It almost sounds like it was a slow song, and then somebody dropped this heavy beat to make it an up tempo song, and then added tremolo it sounds to her too, vocal. Uh, I don't know. It sounds a little too cute, doesn't it? For the rest of the record, I don't know. It just seemed. I don't know if I would like... say cute, but it definitely sounds way more poppy. Yeah, and friendly. But yeah. I mean, it provides a nice change of pace, though. I think, in that you're you're sort of exp- having this record where there's like these big lumbering songs with, you know, like you mentioned that big bass and and whether it's the live drums that are thumping or or i think they're i think some of the other songs where it sounds like it's a loop i think it's actually a live drum that's looped that's where the tape loops come in that's just such a total 180 from those songs you know this has this has really interesting bookend in one more and christmas song because if you take those two songs out the other songs are fairly typical in length i mean you have you know they're all in the four three to four minute range and then you have one at 640 you mentioned, and then Miss Drugstore is a little over five minutes, but the rest of the record is fairly conventional in its length. Um, it's just the beat, the bookends at the beginning and the end of the, you know, eight and a half and nine minute long songs. Well, it's it's just track one that takes what a solid two minutes of pure uh, ear piercing noise before the song starts. Yeah, or is it a minute? Yeah, I know it's a it's a it's a very very long time. It seems. Yeah, I do like when it kicks in, though. I mean, it's an example of where it has that high-pitched lead going on, and I it just sort of lulls you into this mood. Like, you know you know what you're getting. Once you hit that mm. point where the band comes in and that lead starts and she starts singing, like, okay, I, I understand where this band is going from this point forward. My note for what that guitar sounds like is that it sounds like a air raid siren and a bee mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> well put right in this middle of your air canal there's a cool uh guitar melody on that song that that appears a little bit later on it's kind of a f- odd sound too i don't know if it was created with uh the tapes or what but it's a it's a different kind of kind of sound um that that ends up being pretty inter- interesting but yeah it's a it is a painful lead-in Sure, you can look at it that way. I guess I just <laughs> I, mean, I liked I unless liked you like the, the sound of an air raid siren. I, I just I like the idea of putting on the headphones and turning this up and sort of being like completely enveloped by the noise. Um, that sort of overwhelming amount of um, just volume and and distortion and chaos. So that you kind of have to surrender to it a little bit and just be like, all right, I'm just going to let this wash over me. <laughs> uh, if you have, uh, maybe if I had like bassier headphones, I've like balanced, I try, you know, I try to buy balanced headphones. So like all the frequencies are equal. Maybe if I had like beats or something where all the mids were cut, <laughs> the high mids were cut and it was just all bass and, and the highest end treble, like it would be a totally different experience and I'd like it better. But when everything is is flat, um, 
whew, could use a remix. I'll say that. Now, there's some out. There's some songs where I felt like later, like I said, middle and later in the record, where um, <laughs> it sounds funny. They actually use like a rhythm guitar that's kind of chunky. Uh, so, like five is an example of a song where mm-hmm. you know there's another guitar that's providing like some mid rangey um, chunk with the bass, and then the sound works a lot better for me. Um, I think it's the ones where that element is missing and it's all just high end guitar squealing where I, but, uh, I, I can't deal with it as much when they add in that middle, the uh, second guitar, or they add in more of a bass sound it sort of evens out and it's easier, easy for me to deal with. Five definitely has, uh, I think the most conventional sort of rock sound in terms of you mentioning that rhythm guitar and it has a lead in it that's not overly distorted and still melodic um, unlike some of the other songs where they go for the you know the super distorted lead part mm-hmm. um, the vocal is pretty poppy so I think if you're like looking for an entry point into this record five would probably be the most user friendly <laughs> of all the songs yeah. in terms so of giving you, you with- I was going to say that's that's the song that if you're going to like I guess put it on somebody's introduction mixtape. That's the one you're going to go with. So are you familiar with any of the other material from this band? I am not. I haven't listened to any other albums. I'm interested to hear some of the other stuff. Because this is the first record, right? Yep, this is the first record. I, would, I bet I bet the later records start to get, just from a, a sound standpoint, get a little bit uh, just a richer and a little less... Uh, piercing on the high end i bet bands like this would be incredibly difficult to record you know what i mean like with shitty gear and just you know not really knowing what you're doing compared to whereas if you took this band and put them in with a um steve albini or somebody who could you know keep the band as it is but present it in a way that's just sonically fuller and richer which is what this whole band is about. Um, I think I would feel much different about it. Well, let's just think about this for a second. You know, he had these basically these four track demos that he had done, which I'm imagining are not far off from sounding like this in terms of their sort of distorted and record label executives were like, Oh, if you put together a band, we'll sign you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this isn't exactly pop music. So that's pretty, you know, indicative of what 1992 was like, I guess that, you know, even bands that were not sounding like Pearl Jam and Nirvana or Alice in Chains were, you know, scoring record deals. Um, yeah. Cause right. this is saying it was, did you talk about this being on American recordings? Yeah. Which was surprising to me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that either. The creation one made sense because creation being the British label, um, you know, they're they're more open. Shoegaze has its, you know, origins in the UK. So uh, a, a UK label taking a shot at this makes more sense to me. Um, even though Shoegaze, I kind of think had transitioned out by '92. Um, I, I guess, well, I guess really more like '93, '94. It's when you get the first uh, Oasis album and. Um, Blur had pretty much abandoned their first record has some shoegaze on it, but they had pretty much abandoned it. But even bands like Lush, 
had moved away from shoegaze. My Bloody Valentine was done by then. So, um, but 92, it makes sense for this band. Cause it was still a, a, a weird period for, um, British rock. They hadn't completely moved away from the Madchester scene yet or the shoegaze or anything. So I guess anything was going at that point, but for an American label to take a shot at this in 1982 seems bizarre. Well, I'm looking at the roster for American, it's pretty all over the map. I mean, you've got everything from the Black Crows to Bark Market to Love and Rockets to Medicine to Hours and Palo Alto, Trouble, which is a Wolfsbane. So there's like some metal band, Skinny Puppy, Sir Mix a Lot. It's like they were uh, Raging Slab. They were kind of playing in, in Ooh, in Raging the Slab. Of, yeah. Playing the extremes of a lot of different uh, genres and subgenres, even some of them that were like pop oriented, they were still like finding the fringe acts. Right. Four Horsemen. So, Four Horsemen. There you go. Uh, what's the name of that song? Uh, Rocking is my business, and business is good. That's it. <laughs> That's gonna be the name of my memoir. Uh, so Jay, let's talk about overall ratings for this record. Were the album better EP, decent single? Where are you at? Uh, I'm going to be at I'm at an EP, three, four songs. Wrong. This is a worthy album. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man. I told. I think this is a record you can put on, drop some acid. You've like lost smoke some, some weed, some hearing capabilities. Oh, I've definitely lost some high end <laughs> hearing. Playing next to Marco Vitia, the our drummer was enough to kill about seven or eight thousand decibels of my hearing so i apparently haven't lost those how is it that i wore earplugs and lost my high end and you did not wear earplugs and still have your high end i don't understand that Uh, i'm tougher uh is that it is that what it is it all comes down to your head is your head thicker and bigger and yes there's that (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i i really enjoyed this record um the only song that I think didn't work for me as well as the other ones was Queen of Tension, track seven. But I think overall, this record really worked for me. And again, I think that might be just due to where I'm at musically right now. Um, revisiting a lot of these shoegaze bands from the early 90s and um, just in that space at this moment. So, you know, maybe six months from now I'll have a different opinion. But uh, here where it stands right now, I think it's a worthy record. So Yeah, uh queen of tension is unlistenable <laughs> i mean it's just that, that was sort of my note it's just noise ear piercing yeah, it, noise it's it's noise without the interesting melody carrying it yeah. that's yeah. what that song is missing so all right there you go so, those are our takes on shot forth self-living by medicine if you have some opinions you'd like to share on this record head on over to our facebook page or our twitter feed and feel free to leave us some info on there or you can always head to digmeoutpodcast.com leave us a note on there where you can also suggest an album for us to review and you can always also leave us feedback on the podcast over at itunes we're inching closer jay next up 199 and then it begins 200 use your illusion one and two it's happening 
Let's do it. So I have emails out to Duff, Izzy, <laughs> slash, Axel, Matt, right. Dizzy. So far, I have not heard back, but I'm waiting for their RSVPs. We're going to get them uh, all on. All on at once. Steven, I'm not telling them. Steven Adler plays on um, Civil War. I oh, bet that's you right. get him on the show. I will. I'll be shooting that email off as soon as I get off of this <laughs> recording. I'm pretty sure he plays on that song. I believe you're correct. Unfortunately, Shannon Hoon is not available to discuss his backing vocals. <laughs> Don't cry. Yeah. Yeah. So. Alrighty. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. 